start by reading the Bible passage. But before I do that, uh, it's very good to be here. As Caroline said, I'm Jan. And I think I've probably said before at Oasis that um, when I first started at St. Paul's, Oasis was one of the first groups that I kind of came along to and got stuck into. And it was really important in helping me to sort of feel part of this church here. So I'll always have a lot of affection for for this uh, this group. And see Amy over there, who was in the same group as me for uh, for a few years. So that's uh, that's lovely. So I'm going to read this story. As Caroline said, it is a difficult one. It's not one uh, we engage with lightly, but it's important that we do engage with it. And it's from Genesis chapter 34. If you want to follow it. Now, Dinah, the daughter Leah had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. When Sheshem, son of Hamor the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, he took her and raped her. His heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young woman and spoke tenderly to her. And Sheshem said to his father Hamor, get me this girl as my wife. When Jacob heard that his daughter Dinah had been defiled, his sons were in the fields with his livestock, so he did nothing about it until they came home. Then Sheshem's father Hamor went out to talk to Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the field as soon as they heard what had happened. They were shocked and furious because Sheshem had done an outrageous thing in Israel by sleeping with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not be done. But Hamor said to them, My son Sheshem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us, give us your daughters, and take our daughters for yourselves. You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, and acquire property in it. Then Sheshem said to Dinah's father and brothers, Let me find favor in your eyes, and I will give you whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride and the gift I am to bring as great as you like, and I'll pay whatever you ask me. Only give me the young woman as my wife. Because their sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Sheshem and his father Hamel. They said to them, We can't do such a thing. We can't give our sister to a man who is not circumcised. That would be a disgrace to us. We will enter into an agreement with you on one condition only, that you become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we will give you our daughters and take our daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you will not agree to be circumcised, we'll take our sister and go. Their proposal seemed good to Hamar and his son Sheshem. The young man, who was the most honored of all his father's family, lost no time in doing what they said, because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. So Hamar and his son Sheshem went to the gate of their city to speak to the men of their city. These men are friendly towards us, they said. Let them live in our land and trade in it. The land has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters and they can marry ours. But the men will only agree to live with us as one people, only on condition that our males be circumcised as they themselves are. Won't their livestock, their property, and all their other animals become ours? So let us agree to their terms, and they will settle among us. 
All the men who went out of the city gate agreed with Hamar and his son Sheshem, and every male in the city was circumcised. Three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. They put Hamar and his son Sheshem to the sword and took Dinah from Sheshem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and herds and donkeys and everything else of theirs in the city and out in the fields. They carried off all their wealth and all their women and children, taking as plunder everything in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me obnoxious to the Canaanites and Perizzites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and if they join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. But they replied, should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? This is the word of the Lord. It's quite difficult, isn't it, that that is the word of the Lord. It's a very, very difficult story. It's a very troubling story. But it's in the Bible, and we need to engage with it. So before we do, let's just pray. Father, we pray, we do thank you for your word. And we pray that you would help us this morning to engage with this troubling and difficult story. And to see what we might learn from it. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I start talking about Dinah's story, I just wanted to say a word about reading the Bible in general. The Bible is God's word, and as Paul's second letter to Timothy says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, I stand by that, but we need to understand that just because we read about something in the Bible, this doesn't mean that God approves of what has been done. Too many people over hundreds of years have used holy texts in completely the wrong way and have used the Bible to justify things that should never be justified. And the story we read about just now is one in which nobody behaves well. We're not meant to take any of that as a model for our lives, for the way that we conduct our lives. The purpose of that writing is as a history to record what actually happened. And that's why it's really important to read the Bible, the whole Bible, and get familiar with it. If we're familiar with the Gospels, we will know that Jesus would definitely not have approved with the way people behaved in this account. We need to get familiar with our Bibles so we see the whole sweep of it rather than just cherry-picking little bits out of it. So as I said, the story of Dinah as told in Genesis 34 is a very troubling and shocking one. It's probably not one that Lydia is going to be including in the uh, children's group teaching anytime soon. And it's one that for some of us might be a painful reminder of a time where we've been abused or taken advantage of 
ourselves. So as, as Caroline said, as I talk about this, if any of it feels too difficult to engage with, do just slip away and ask for some prayer afterwards. So to give a little background to the story, we join Jacob and his family as they are settling close to the city of Sheshem. Jacob is the son of Isaac. You may remember the stories about his rivalry with his brother Esau. Esau and Jacob were always uh, rivals. And he's the grandson of Abraham. And it's through Jacob that Israel is going to become firmly established as his 12 sons have children of their own, and they go on to create the 12 tribes of Israel. So the family have been traveling for a while, and shortly before they arrive in Sheshem, we have that story of Jacob wrestling all night with God and finally asking for a blessing. And it was this, at that point that he was given a new name. He was given the name Israel. So the family are wanting to settle in the area, to live peacefully with their neighbors, but God has warned them not to intermarry with people who serve other gods. And this is where we hear what happens to Dinah. Now, Dinah is another of Jacob's children. She's the sister of Joseph and Benjamin and all the other sons. Um, Jacob, of course, had his sons by four separate women. He had two wives and two concubines. His wives were Rachel and Leah, and his two concubines were Billa and Zipporah. And he tended to favor the sons born to Rachel because she was his favorite wife. And Dinah's mother was Leah, so his sort of second favorite wife, if you like. And it's worth noting that Dinah was likely to have been very young at the time this incident occurs because she was younger than Leah's sons. So she was probably maybe 15, 16, possibly even as young as 14. Quite young. Now, we're told that Dinah went out to visit the women in the land. Now, we don't know if that was with the blessing of her parents or if she was acting as many teenagers would and just sort of sneaking off to try and make some friends. However, while she was out, she attracts the attention of Sheshem, the son of Hamar, who were told very matter-of-factly for such a shocking event, took her and raped her. The Bible just doesn't gloss over this at all. It's quite clear what this is. And in other places in the Bible... Uh, the same sort of thing happens, and it's not so specific. So it must have really wanted to emphasize that this was something that happened without consent. What we're not told, we're told that afterwards he, he loved her and he wanted to marry her. But what we're not told is that he showed any real sign of repentance for the way that he'd behaved already. Now, surprisingly, perhaps, we're told that when Jacob heard, the new, heard what had happened to her, he did nothing about it until his sons came home from the fields. And when they returned home, they, of course, were shocked and angry and keen to re revenge their sister's honor. But Shechem's father, Haman, had arrived offering marriage to his son and also offering not just a good dowry, but to share the land with Jacob's family, an attractive offer. Because in that culture, Dinah's prospects of marriage would have been really poor once she had been raped. Now, at this point, Jacob's sons saw an opportunity to get revenge. 
And they agreed to the offer on condition that the men of Sheshem were all circumcised to become like them. And when Hamor agreed to that, they waited until the circumcision had taken place. And then while all the men were still weak and in pain after the procedure, they attacked the city, seizing the livestock, killing the men, and uh, even taking women and children as plunder. Shocking. The, the original act was shocking. The response was perhaps even more shocking. And that might remind you, uh, perhaps, of the honor killings that we sometimes read about in the press. Men who kill because they believe that their family has been dishonored. And like those violent acts, I think this act isn't really about Dinah's honor. It's about the family honor that has been abused. So the chapter ends with Jacob in distress at the action of his sons, mainly because he realized that he now made real enemies of his neighbors. And soon after that, in fact, the family left to go to Bethel. Now, there is a lot of moral ambiguity in this story. No one behaves with any honor and integrity. It's violent and it's shocking and it's difficult to understand the rights and wrongs of everything that's happened here. But I think there are some things that are clear, and that's what I want to focus on today. So firstly, we can be clear that sexual abuse is never okay. When I was preparing this talk, I was quite troubled. I looked online at some of the reflections on this passage, and I felt very uncomfortable that some of them came very close to victim-blaming. You know, what was Dinah doing going out on her own at this age? You know, what? And that made me feel very, very uncomfortable. There was a suggestion that it was Dinah's curiosity that had got her into trouble, or the fact that she was consorting with youngsters who followed a different religion. Now, certainly when I was a teenager, people would sometimes suggest that young women who were abused were asking for it. Uh, because of the way they dressed or the way they behaved. I really hope that we live in more enlightened times now. Yes, when my daughters were teenagers, I would advise them about how to stay safe in new social situations and with new freedoms that they were encountering. But I also made very sure my son knew that it what, what was and wasn't acceptable in relationships with women. And it's because of those sorts of attitudes that women have sometimes felt unable to speak out about the abuse that they've experienced. I've talked to women who have felt they shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't make a fuss because, you know, they'd, they'd, uh, they'd, they'd maybe entered into a situation that had then turned difficult and they'd felt that um, it was somehow their fault. And and we must never let people get into that situation. We need to call out things when they happen. There's never any excuse. The second thing that is clear, I think, is that violence leads to more violence. It's never the answer. Dinah's rape had repercussions. Her brothers wanted revenge. The whole situation escalated. And we see this over and over again in the world, from fights in nightclubs when someone takes offense at an insult, to gang warfare, right up to the wars that we're seeing in the world right now. 
Violence doesn't solve anything. It just leads to more violence. Now, Jesus offered a different way to do things, a way of forgiveness and reconciliation, a way that encourages us to recognize our own shortcomings before condemning others. Revenge is never the answer. Yes, we need to deal with these things when they happen. We do need to address them. But violence never solves anything. And we can contrast that with the attitude that Jesus taught. Blessed are the peacemakers, he said. And if anyone wants to take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Jesus would definitely not have condoned what happened here. And a third thing that really struck me from this account is how little voice Dinah has throughout the whole chapter. I read a book a few years ago called The Red Tent. Um, It's a good book. It fictionalizes some of the Genesis accounts. Um, And it gives a a good idea of what living conditions were like at the time and what society was like. But it paints this story as a love story, a young couple who fall in love but are thwarted by her family. Now, the Bible is clear that what happened here was rape. Whatever Dinah's feelings may or not have been, may or may not have been for Sheshem, this wasn't done with her consent. We're not told anything about her feelings or about either what happened to her or about the way it was dealt with. Dinah didn't consent to Sheshem's advances. She didn't consent to what her brothers planned afterwards. And she wouldn't have been able to consent for whatever plans they had for her after this incident. Women in in that society often had very little voice, particularly young unmarried women. And perhaps things would not have ended so badly if they had been listened to, if the women in the family had been consulted. And again, this contrasts with Jesus' attitude. In Jesus, we see someone who treated women well. He spent time with women. He listened to them. He treated them with honor. The very first people he appeared to after his resurrection were women, and he trusted them to share the good news with others, to be the first evangelists. So I want to just finish briefly by thinking, how do we respond to this shocking story? Well, firstly, I think we need to be clear about sexual abuse in what we teach our children and our young people. Obviously, we do that in an age-appropriate way. From my time in teaching, I know it begins with very young children in teaching them that they can decide for themselves who can touch them, who can hug them. And as our children become teenagers, it's important to talk about these tricky subjects, whether they're boys or girls. It's hard to do. It's difficult, but we need to do it. They need to be guided about how to negotiate the sort of situations they might meet. And we need to be clear that sexual abuse is never justified or okay. And we need to support all those who experience it. As well as this, we can, where we can, seek to give that voice to the voiceless. Dinah didn't have anyone to speak up for her. And there are still people today who may feel unable to speak up when they suffer abuse. Uh, Rachel Den Hollander was the first woman to speak publicly about the US gymnastics team doctor, Larry Nasser, who had abused many, many girls. 
her bravery helped others to come forward and to speak up about their own experiences. And as part of her testimony, she asked this question, how much is a little girl worth? And this is the book that she wrote later to try and teach girls that they have great worth because they're made in God's image. So let's be on the lookout for those who don't have a voice, not just in our own society, but in the wider world where so many girls and women are exploited. And lastly, I just feel I need to say to any of you who have experienced abuse or are currently experiencing abuse, that if you need help to speak up about it or get out of an abusive situation, we can offer help as a church. You can talk to me, you can talk to Caroline or to any other church leader and we can advise you and support you. And if you've experienced abuse in the past and you haven't had prayer for that or if you feel there are still unresolved issues you'd like to pray about, do ask for prayer. I'd be happy to pray with you at any time and I'm sure there are others who would be too. Or, of course, you could make an appointment at the well, and I'd really encourage you to do that if you have experienced this sort of thing. So as we finish, I'd like to just pray for all of us. They're not easy subjects to think about, and I think we just need to pray. So, Heavenly Father, thank you that in your Son, Jesus, we saw someone who honoured women, who gave a voice to the voiceless, who taught a different way than one of revenge and violence, but a way of peace. And Father, I just pray your blessing on all of us now. As we think about these subjects, I pray that you would just minister to us. And if anything in what I've said this morning has triggered any difficult memories or feelings, I pray that you would just help each one of us to address those in the way that we're ready for. Help us to support one another in this and to support any others we know who may have experienced this sort of abuse. So I just pray your protection on all of us, on our thoughts as we kind of resurface from this difficult subject. In Jesus' name, amen.